Welcome to Classic Drama Scalpicator. I'm Jason Sachs. I'm Amir Malikpour. And we are discussing three classic Joe Simon and Jack Kirby romance stories. We're going to talk about uh, Four Nine Sweetheart, Shame, and The Town, and Tony Benson. If you have the uh, 2012 Young Romance Collection, these are the uh, third, fourth, and fifth stories in this volume. These are amazing. Yeah amazing and it's like so far away from cliche and so like embedded into the time frame they're talking about that or that they take place in that they're just like time capsules the real life stories uh there's just like so much dimension to these stories mm-hmm. yeah and uh, should we just maybe quickly just go over the three stories, talk what they're about, and then individually go into them? Yeah, go ahead. So the first story is about this German woman right after World War II, I assume, during uh, the time where the United States has occupied Germany, mm-hmm. where she falls in love with an American soldier, and same thing, he falls in love with her. And, that, and craziness ensues. Um, the second story is about a woman who falls in love with her boss and they have a relationship. They both fall in love with each other. However, she comes from the other side of the tracks where she's not wealthy, even though her mom tries to, you know, get her clothes by works extra to get her better clothes to make her look more, I guess, uh, higher class. Mm-hmm. And the third story is about a couple uh, where the husband is actually from the, again, wrong side of tracks. The woman is not, but because she's married to him, and they're both in love, but because she's married to him, the town kind of looks down on them. And he has a history of gambling, but really interesting story. I really like, I really enjoyed that one quite a bit. It's the most recent one I read, but a lot to say about all three of them, especially the first, the German woman one and then the family in town and there's a lot of stuff in these stories that really feels like so authentic to the time like you would never create a story like this today because we're so far away from that time frame like Fraulein's sweetheart it's like a freaking shock to the system i think mm-hmm. you were talking about how you like the tony benson story the most i think i like Fraulein's sweetheart the most because it was just so like felt so raw in a way mm-hmm. I mean, no, Fallen Sweetheart is definitely was, uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, I have a lot to say about both of them, but Fallen Sweetheart is definitely like the, it's raw and it's very, um, I don't know what the word for it is, but it's really like, it takes into consideration everyone and then also shows some horrors of war and shows some evil people that stay evil even after everything is cleared up. So it's the story of uh, this girl, Annalise, who uh, is living with her friend, Kate, in somewhere in Germany, mm-hmm. in the town of Marburg, in the American occupation zone after the war. The comic was created in, released in 1948, so it was probably written in 1947. So the war was still fresh in everybody's minds. Mm-hmm. And actually, that's a really important part of all three of these stories, Yeah, uh, like the, the post-war uh, world we live in. And so the Americans are there and they're doing a routine uh, roundup of, uh, or not roundup, but just like security check. And um, Kate 
especially hates the Americans. As a former Nazi, she is just furious that the Americans were taking over her country. And she sees it like this was her her country and, and uh, it was wrong for them to ever uh, have invaded in the first place. Like she's a true dyed-in-the-wool Nazi. Mm-hmm. Turns out that Annalise is also. Yeah, Annalise was uh, actually like, well, sent, uh, gave up flyers and she was like a president of the club or something at her school yeah and so she meets one of the soldiers who uh, raids their apartment she falls in love with Mm -hmm. and they have this kind of blissful scene of them swimming and hiking and having beautiful dinners together and then the truth of her comes out and of course uh annalise's friend kate is just like good riddance to bad rubbish or get rid of this guy he's he's just garbage to to you and then uh he discovers she's a nazi and he's furious what are the millions who are put to death what are the slave labor the destruction caused by your precious fatherland and she pretends to be innocent but we were not told of these things am i to be blamed for crimes i knew nothing about oh you're a nazi all right and it's like it feels so like raw like the anger well, I mean, these characters. I, I mean, I think the cr- greatness of this is that, you know, obviously Joe Simon, Jack Kirby, both Jewish. Um, but they do give Kate's side, not the Nazi side, but the human side of these two Nazis or mm-hmm. these two women. Uh, and you see, like, like they're in their house and the and the soldiers, one of the soldiers is like, yeah, here's a little nice, you know, a, a woman I could like hook up with and stuff. And then the admirable sergeant is like, no, no, we're just here for a checkup. And they're like, come on, they're just hookups, right? And, you know, that kind of a thing. So it does show how soldiers were back then. And it shows how scary it is for women. But at the same time, you do see, like you said, Kate, you know, um, the, uh, sorry, uh, the the main, who's the main, Adeline, Annalise's friend, Annalise's friend, Kate, how, how like she's like seeped into Nazi propaganda whereas Annalise not as strong as her probably because she fell in love with the soldier but but you see the both sides of the difficulty that they're going through but also like the evils that they're a part of and mm-hmm. I'm just it's it's not like black and white and like and meaning like it's just great storytelling by Simon and Kirby to say okay well this is their side they weren't right but you could see their side being like scared that like two men or three soldiers come into their house and also, like when she says she, they also, Simon and Kirby, at least the way I read it was she probably didn't know, even though she believed in the pro, you know, whatever the beliefs that the evil empire or whatever the government believed in. I don't think she knew the extent of what they'd gone through. So I think it's, and at the same time, you realize she did evil things, and she's still holding up, even after knowing all those evil things, she's still has a part of, have it be part of her and has some of those similar risks. So it's not like, oh, she's cleaned up and now that she knows, she's, no, 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 she hasn't changed her mind. So she's not actually a good person. And um, Jack Hamilton, classic American name, Jack, Jack Hamilton <laughs> knows better. And even though he loves her, he doesn't want to associate with someone who still has harbors evil thoughts or beliefs. Yeah, and there's where like the Simon and Kirby art really does so well because like you see him so blissful with her 
earlier on in the story. And then when he discovers the truth about her, he has this like look of complete disgust. You won't even look at her. Yeah, and it's it's kind of funny, like a typical guy, right? Oh man, I love this woman. She's really hot. It's really cool to hang out with. Ugh, I gotta ask her the question. Were you uh-huh. a Nazi? Oh crap. All right. I'm not gonna hook up with a Nazi. And like there really is no reconciliation to this, right? I mean, they there's no way he can live with her, and she's just like completely crushed and not even be part of his life. And even when she saves the men in her outfit from like a bombing raid, mm-hmm. um, there's just no coming back. Mm-hmm. There's good in her, but uh, she she's. Uh, too too corrupted by the Nazi ways. In a way, this is kind of like that. It's a sad ending, but it's a happy ending too, because it like points to like the post-war learning the Germans go through, mm-hmm. post-war growth as a society. Yeah. Yeah. And actually the last panel, she's staring at the sun. And after the war, you know, West Germany, she I'm assuming she's part of West Germany because this is the Americans. Westerman did really well. In fact, didn't America help them kind of get on their feet? Yeah. So, I mean, if as wars go, their future is actually pretty nice. Although, Jackery probably doesn't know this at that time. Yeah. Uh, Raw is a disparaging term for women, by the way. Yeah, I looked it up too. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, not funny, but it's interesting. So it's like the Americans were already looking down on these women. Well, it's like another piece of meat, you know, meat at the bar or something. Yeah, yeah, right. They're they're just um, basically just uh, someone to be consumed, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is again like just this other element to it, right? He falls in love with her, but she's really just some someone to be used. And it kind of t- like tells the, the bigger picture of the war in, in um in a larger context. Um, I was just curious if it was on in Eastern, it's in, yeah, it wasn't Western Germany. I would assume it's Western because it's American, you know, it'd be Russian if it was Eastern. Yeah, it's actually not far from the border, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I saying? Sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really does kind of point to like the the way the Americans kind of just treated these German women as like objects. Well, any war, right? Like Vietnamese too, right? Like mm-hmm. Vietnam War, and yeah. there wasn't even that level of evil in in uh, Vietnam. It is a pure evil. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can read a lot of Kirby and Simon in this story too, like you were saying. You know, as Jews who went through all this, and I, I'm I know. Kirby was at war as a soldier as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I found this to be really powerful. I was thinking uh, when it says Jack Hamilton, you know, Jack Kirby, I wonder, I was thinking like, when did he marry Roz? And I looked it up and it was before this. So it wouldn't, this wouldn't have been an experience where Jack went through himself. Oh yeah. They probably saw it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's a good point. Like this may have actually been more or less based on reality. Yeah, I'm sure this stuff happened a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So the yeah. second story we're reading, Shame, you you said you really enjoyed that one also. 
I did too. I liked him. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, it wasn't as strong as the first and the third stories, uh, but I enjoyed it. Um, this is more of a typical romance story, right? Like girl from the wrong side, of, not wrong side, but the poor side of town falls in love with a guy who's rich. And then her mom, you know, it's kind of like Cinderella, you know, trying to dress well. Her mom sacrifices herself. And then he gets, she gets found out. She runs away. And then at the end, she finds out that the guy still loves her. And, eh, you know, it's fine. It's okay. It's got some weak storytelling elements. There's a two or three scenes where they tell us something or don't show it, especially in the last two panels. Mm-hmm. Where basically they they reconcile because he's telling her everything's okay. Yeah, like well, it really could have benefited from being a couple pages longer. There's a lot of inconsistencies here. So one of them was that the brother. So she has a brother, and she lives with her brother and mom, and they're poor. She, I think she's a secretary or administrative assistant to like a CEO of a company. Who they strike up a relationship, they get married. There's a lot of sexist terms here. Like she's like, oh, I'd, I'd quit and be your slave and I'd work, you know, that kind of oh, thing. Oh, yeah. Um, Dude, yeah. Probably the least progressive story of all these. <laughs> um, but then um, it ends up being that due to some circumstances, uh, you know, they, they become engaged. Due to some circumstances, he ends up meeting her mom and she stretched she gets really stressed out and she runs away because she's all like, okay, well, now that he's found out about me, he's not going to want to be with me. So I'm just going to leave town and my family, my brother and my, my mom and the guy that I supposedly love or who loves me. And, and one of the things that was inconsistent for me was the brother was like this hoodlum jerk. And then at the end of the story, he comes to him like all well-dressed and it almost seems like I'm, we missed like four pages here. Maybe yeah. like about what happened in between. Yeah, I think that's there's a lot, a lot missing in there. Yeah. I think this is probably what I would expect the Stan Lee Jack Kirby romance books from Marvel be to be like. It's a little more on the cliche. I like the class element to it though. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. idea that you know this girl is poor and she's striving to get better. And her mom making her the sacrifice. I think Kirby and Simon draw the mom like really nicely. Like she looks like she's been through the years. <laughs> she looks like Jack Kirby 20 years in the future. <laughs> like Jack right? Kirby looks at him and says, like, what would I look like in 1970 after having gone through <laughs> all the problems with uh, Marvel and stuff and DC not screwing me over or screwing me over with the... Anyways... <laughs> yeah it's okay a good story but like you said not nearly as good as the town and tony benson Mm -hmm. yeah that's the better one yeah which is um just a really interesting story yeah again about class and about like social mores and in the second half of the 1940s and about expectations and um there is like an interesting amount of tragedy in it yeah, so here's the interesting thing. Just to start off, um, the uh, the girl's name, I mean, it's uh, like we talked about, they're married. It's a married couple. It's really mainly about the woman. Her name is Toni Benson, and she's married to a guy named Stanley Butko. And what's interesting about it is that you start to think about it. Um, 
there are a lot of allusions to like Butko not being a um a respected name. Yeah. And Benson is like, yeah, it's English, old chap Benson, you know, like her last name is good. Her grandmother owns a house that's got 10 rooms, you know, all that stuff. And so I feel like there's a little bit of an immigrant thing here. I don't know. I looked up Butko. It's a Polish name. And um, and there's a lot of references to it. Like uh, during her grandmother's deathbed, when she gives them her house, she says, Stanley, you're going to be a Butko. You're going to be a Benson. You are a Benson. Like change your name, you know, like that kind of thing. Or his last name is not. You know, it's a lot. They remind me a lot of the great Gatsby also, like where he changed his name from, was it Gats to Gatsby? I forget what the. Yeah, right. Yeah. I did think of that. And the names like name changing and saying like, you're not, you know, and you think about Jack Kirby, her, his last name is not Kirby. It's like Kurtzberg or. Yeah. Something like Kurtzman, I think. Okay. Kurtzman. And, um, and so that whole thing, idea of like names and class um, and then. And, you know, they go through a lot of different things about people want to get their house, want to pay him. You know, he has a history of, like, gambling, as does she, you know, running with hoodlums. What's really cool about the class structure of the story is that they go, she goes to a bank to get a loan, a mortgage, to try to clean up the house and take care of it. And she runs into a guy who used to hang out with them in, like, the gambling area, in the bars and stuff. He was a hoodlum, too. But since his dad was a bank owner and rich, he was able to actually get fixed, whereas in Stanley and her weren't. And finally, I think at the end of the story, which is the happy ending, spoiler, the way they're able to kind of do upkeep of the house and their finances is two people come in and they need a place to rent and they have 10 rooms. And their last name is of Italian last name. Like the first thing I thought, this is really bad. You know, I feel very ashamed. But like their names were like names of like mobsters, you know, and like Godfather and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay, these guys are probably mobsters who want to take over their house. It's like, no, 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 they just want a place to rent. Which yeah. is like Jack Fontaine and uh, I forget what the other guy's name is. Uh, and this is another thing but, that's really great as like a post-war kind of element, because yeah. in the late 40s there was a huge housing housing shortage in the U.S. Mm. and um when soldiers returned from war you know what had been building houses during the war and so people returned to the u.s they had no place to live mm. and so this illusion here in the last page to them needing places to to live inside the these people's houses like a normal thing was happening at that time so uh, it seems a little bit like it felt like a little bit of it like a deus machina but actually made perfect sense if you think of it in that context oh wow that's interesting that's really good. So it's basically like the immigrants or like immigrant families, first generations. You know, like Don Savoldi and Jack Fontaine. They're like characters from like The Godfather, but right. they're, they're just like hardworking people, hardworking Italians who just can't afford to buy a house or yeah. Or a couple of ex GIs, yeah. Except that the housing shortage uh, has a, a stymie, and that's it. There's just the housing shortages everywhere. Interesting. Wow. And so this was a thing, like it's up till like 1950 or so. Uh, there was like an extreme shortage of places for people to live. Man, it gets into this post-war thing where um, 
as everything's settling back in, like you're talking about like the Italians and, and other folks like living all together, like there's a lot of internal social tension around how we manage the reintegration of American society. I mean, like Truman, uh, this doesn't have to do with race in the same way, but Truman reintegrated or re disintegrated the military. You know, he 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 separated the blacks and white soldiers mm. after Roosevelt had integrated it. Uh, and so like there are a lot of elements of like you know, race and class were really kind of reemerging into being more prominent social issues. Mm-hmm. This, this is amazing. I mean, I think... I, I was actually thinking about like these comics as I finished reading them was what if there was no comics code authority? I think comics would have been just as popular in the US as they are in Japan, more than France. Mm-hmm. Incredible. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, and I think these are three like just amazing stories that really get to a whole other way of thinking about the way we think about the past. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of like the, the comic stories, like in, in the new Jack Kirby Love and War volume I just picked up, like the stories feel a little more cliched, right? But these stories feel raw. Mm-hmm. There's Love and War ones. I haven't read them. I do have it. And maybe we can go through it in the future. But they're from the 60s, right? Or are they or the 50s? or 50s, and, Yeah, mostly the 50s into the 60s. But postcode. Okay. Times may have been changing too. Yeah. Uh, maybe I wanted to mention one thing about this. I did a little, not a research, but I went and looked at the uh, the review of this book, which is the first volume of Young Romance, The Best of Simon and Kirby from Fanagraphics. And one of the reviews on there alluded to the fact that actually they gave it four out of five. And the reason it was four out of five was because this was actually, Fanagraphics got this because these book, these stories were, they're public domain. So anybody mm-hmm. can publish them. And the problem that the reviewer had was that no money was given to Simon and Kirby, which is interesting. Mm. I wonder if the second volume, they were actually part, because actually the person that did the coloring for for this book, which by the way is amazing. I love the recreation. Yeah. His name is Michael or Michelle Gagne. He's mm-hmm. also a cartoonist. He's actually done some Batman comics and everything um, and, and independent stuff. Um, yeah, Michel or Michael Gagne, and um, he's from Quebec, Canada. Um, but uh, pretty interesting stuff that like it, all of this is public domain. So like um, it's pretty cool. I don't think Gagne made a lot of money from this book. I mean... I doubt it. There's doubt not that much money to give to the estate. I mean, I get the point. Right, right. These no. kind of collections. Um, I mean, he's, I'm going to guess he hasn't made more than a few thousand dollars in royalties from it. I don't, I think he probably made like $2 an hour, if that, 1940 uh, money. Yeah, considering this is really a work of love, not a work of, of uh, he, did not, he did not do the second volume, by the way. Right, that's right. Mm-hmm. And but it's got an interesting kind of contrasting set of stories. Yeah, but it was it was great. It's uh I wish there would, more people would be into this stuff. I actually expected a, expected the Marvel young and romance stories when I was reading these books and I was blown away. 
Yeah, I agree. I agree. These are just um, like just really amazing stories. And as we dig deeper into it, I hope we will, because like there's a few stories that go that I think are equally as good. Like soldiers, uh, the sailor story, sailor's girl is a, a really good story too. I remember with some gorgeous artwork. Uh, thanks for doing this, Samir. Yeah, thanks, Jason. I really enjoyed it. We'll do some more next week. Yeah. Oh, thank you.